everybody, and welcome to Shortcomings, a Sex in the City podcast, where we dive into every episode of Sex in the City, the two movies, and of course, and just like that. I'm your host, Samantha Bush, and as always, I'm joined by Chris Lewis. Hi, Chris. Hello there. Hi, shorties. We're back. This episode's coming to you a little bit later. I keep thinking life is going to slow down. And it doesn't. And it doesn't. I can't get a goddamn minute. No. It's like, and then with the holidays, it's like things are just picking up. Up and up and up and up. But Mm -hmm. I did want to just before we get into this, because I feel like I haven't asked you about this personally. How'd you feel about the end of The Golden Bachelor? Oh, my God. And I feel like it fits in beautifully to this episode, an aspect. It does. (laughs) Um... You know, the Hollywood Reporter put out an article like two days or a day before the finale Did where it, it was like, it? no, but it was like, Gary isn't the man you think he is. Well, like, of he, he did this, this. And, but I'm like, Gary never said to be any of those things. ABC said he was those things. Like, ABC was the one that was like, he's a restaurateur. Like, he doesn't talk about that. He's like, I don't know what they're talking about. Um, So it kind of made people, I think, a little bit angry at him on social media during the finale like they they weren't as like compassionate um and i think when you're 72 things are and you're on the bachelor i think it's a weird situation to navigate i don't think he handled himself perfectly but like who does so he had two women left leslie and Teresa, and in the fantasy suites like I think he really made Leslie feel like you're the one. Like he told her she's the one. But isn't that the he game told- of The Bachelor? Right. But we like, just want more he- from him because of he, we've seen him as this open hearted. Well, it made people think like, person. oh, men are still dogs. Well, they are. Even when they're 72. And I think that's and- like the ultimate lesson of The Golden Bachelor is like men gonna men. Men gonna men. And yeah so he really made leslie think like she was the one but then like on their date so then she met his family and things seemed okay but he and seemed off left Teresa and leslie no i mean of his family we're not meeting mom and oh dad. his daughters and his okay. granddaughters mm-hmm. yeah so we meet them and she's like you just seem really off and she's pushing him and pushing him and he's like no 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 i'm fine and then finally he like cracks and he is just like to Leslie. Yeah, he's like, it's not you. Oh, so he didn't even wait to the rose ceremony. No. He said, get gone. He he's like, don't even dress up. He's like, it's Teresa. Wow. Talk about playing with the formula. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I thought that that was really nice because I do feel bad for the women who like get all dressed up. But couldn't and he have done it do off the camera? Long- and then yeah, we just but, see her like running off like yeah but i mean that's not production's not gonna let that happen yeah and he like she told him at one point during this like conversation like before he ended it where she was like i love you like you're it for me like blah 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 and he just goes i really like that sentiment and it was like a knife like it was like yikes and then he then he had a meltdown and he was crying because he's like breaking her heart and then he comes back and then that's when he tells her like it's Teresa. And how did Teresa and she's take like, her win? Amazing. Teresa's like, I've had it in the bag since the first date. Oh, All Teresa's you a confident girl. Teresa's like, we have a connection. They both have dead spouses, which I think like they really bonded over. And Gary pretty much told Leslie, like, you don't have a very good track record with relationships. So. Has anyone just been like halfway through The Bachelor ever in the history of the show? Just like, this is, I'm fine with this person. 
And we just give up the ghost and keep and end the show. Well, Claire Crawley famously did that and picked someone after, I think, like two episodes. And she was like, like, everyone else go home. But then that didn't work out for her. Yeah, I mean, it seems like production (laughs) wouldn't enjoy it. Well, yeah, and like they didn't last, but she got her happy ending. She's like married now with like a baby. And then um, like you can definitely tell, I mean, with the last season of The Bachelor with Zach, you could tell instantly like who he wanted. Right. Like it wasn't a question. It was just so obvious that he wanted wanted her. And while we're in the realm of ABC, did you see Miss Maddox didn't quite third place? But guess what? She's Roxy Hart. Can she sing? She would she just does. go for theater. I know she does. So I don't know. I think she sings as well. But yeah, she's going to be but playing Roxy Hart on Broadway. Those boards? Why does this production really love Bravo celebrities? I don't know. Well, they'll take any which way they can get. True. Um, so yeah, Ariana got third place Dancing with the Stars. I thought she was going to win. I actually thought she was really good. I never watched one clip. Oh, she's like actually a good dancer. I think this season, like they had the most talent they've had in a long time. We're not going to be following her on the show on VPR. I don't think so. Oh, thank God. It's not like when we were following Well, I'm like, you know what I thought of? We're never getting those sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) That store's never We've got to let that go. We've got to let it go. Not when we're doing the hot honey rag. No. (laughs) Yeah, no. Katie's sorry like that katie's not manning the and maybe maloney needs own. to be um velma. maloney's baloney's no she needs what it should have been called be velma oh I mean, she's more of a mama morton <laughs> it's just true you usually yeah. slot that and for a black rachel has a podcast now i saw mm-hmm. manage or product produced by bethany oh i oh i thought you were saying that's what it was called yeah <laughs> i mean it might as well be yeah um so i just wanted to hear about that briefly because i knew you'd been so in that world but then it felt like you had crept away no i was in it i just didn't talk about it <laughs> i was thinking recently i heard someone talking about something and i was like wow i remember when oh that what was that thing called the submersible remember that <gasps> chris i mean i was looking up like, I knew the depths of which this thing was going. Like, it was... Crazy. And I didn't know about it for, like, four days. And I was like, what's everyone talking about? I know, and I'm like, what do you mean? I've watched four documentaries on the Titanic <laughs> at that point. Um, Yeah, 2023 has been a wild year. And speaking of 2023 and wrapping it up, we are going to have our Zoom call, I believe, on... Give me one quick second, just so mm-hmm. I can make sure the date is correct. Could have pulled this calendar up sooner. In two weeks on December 21st mm-hmm. at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mm-hmm. And you know, we'll be talking about our favorite pop culture moments of 2023. What kept us going amongst the shit. The mess. And God, what maybe we're looking forward to in 2024. Yeah. And to get access to that, you join us over at patreon.com slash shortcomings podcast and join at the $10 level and you'll get that link to join us for the Zoom call. You also get bonus episodes. Later this week, we'll be 
rewatching the first episode of Sex and the City, the pilot, and I may do something even wilder. I might take myself back and see if I have the emotional bandwidth to listen to the first episode of our podcast. Oh. Just to see what it was like. Two unhinged babies. Two unhinged babies, terrible editing, <clears throat> terrible mics. For sure. The sound is going to be crazy. A mess. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, of course, you're supporting the podcast. I can't believe we've only got two episodes of the original series left. Crazy. Crazy. Wrapping it I can't believe it. Fuck up. Yep. So next we're week will also be the 21st. We'll also be fresh off of guys finishing the podcast. Or at least finishing yeah. the original Well, the series. show. Right. Because, <clears throat> you know, yeah. we've still got to cover the two movies as well as whatever in Just Like That Season 3 is. Yeah. Returns. <laughs> Um, Sam, can you give us a shout out to our iconic shorties? Of course. So I just want to thank all of our iconic shorties. We have Gina, Carlos, Lauren, Christina, Kimberly, Kate, Ainsley, Jenny, Laura, Charlotte, Taylor, Alexandra, Dana, Laura Lee, Laura, a lot of Lauras, Claire, Allie, Jen, Caitlin, Lindsay, Casey, Stephanie, Justine, Alexandra, Gracie, Allison, Haley P, Haley D, Rosie, Claire, Haley M, Erica, Emma, Avita, Emily, and Stacy. What a list. All what icons. a list. Honestly, everyone's stunning. And we appreciate everyone who supports the podcast. Thank you all mm -hmm. so much. Now, this one's a doozy, so we really just got to get into it. Yeah, Today it we is. are covering Season 6, Episode 18, Splat. We'll start, as we always do, with a little episode synopsis. Carrie is forced to choose between home and romance. Charlotte's maternal side is forced out. Samantha's samantha and Miranda is miranda -ing. Correct. That couldn't be more accurate. Um, what did you think of this episode sort of structurally? I thought it was a little, I mean, it definitely felt different than episodes have in the past. It felt more and just like that in yeah. the sense that it did not care about any sort of balance between these four women. No, it was carry, carry. Little, Carrie. hence, pinch a shark. Little, yeah, a pinch of Charlotte, a a, a sprinkle, sprinkle of, of Miranda, <laughs> yeah, and then a like, dash of Miranda just to bring you home. Yeah, it it was definitely it definitely felt different. It felt like meatier and more emotional. I cried. Mm -hmm. Oh wow. Um, I don't know. I mean, of course, I remember this episode. It has the iconic Lexi Featherston appearance mm -hmm. and passing, obviously, the eponymous splat. But wow, they packed a lot into this 28 minutes. It felt it, it felt like they were like hitting minutes. me hard <laughs> yeah. right from the beginning. Yeah, every scene. And it has a, you know, a very simple premise of really how helpful are questions in relationships. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, a really fun sort of entree into the finale given the sense that it's sort of like I'm going to stop asking these questions this column is coming to an end mm -hmm. and when she sort of erases that question mark and puts a period it's maybe our answer was right there that she's going to Paris mm -hmm. yeah you think questions though and the sort of questioning we can get into and our friends can pester us with are helpful in relationships or negative or somewhere in between I think somewhere in between. I think they're necessary, but I think sometimes like 
you kind of have to like let your friend do what they're going to do. Like you can ask all the questions you want, but it's going to push them away. Maybe it's going to upset them in a way that like it's you're going to be the bad guy, you know, and that's not a really great place to be. I would agree there, but I do feel like if your friend's not asking any questions. Right, right. You like, like, it's okay to ask yeah, something. Like, so what's going on? How do you feel about this? Right. Um, but I think that that's also, I mean, if your friend's not asking any questions, like Carrie, for example, then you kind of have to get into the why. Like, why don't you want to question? Is it because you're scared of how you really feel? Are you scared of the answers? I mean, been there. Oh, we know. <laughs> been there we were all on that zoom last month yeah so i definitely think miranda was maybe doing a, she was she was miranda you oh. know yeah so just in terms of this episode breakdown we're going to chat about charlotte briefly and then carrie and miranda and samantha in conjunction with carrie because they didn't have individual individual stories at all yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They have, <laughs> no. Miranda at least has an individual scene. Samantha. Does Samantha not. this season, really, they've... I guess she has the powerful stuff in the finale with the wig and cancer. Mm -hmm. But, ooh, she's had a... She's been down bad this season. Down bad, yeah. I'm not surprised it took her a while to want to come back for the movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, that set. Things must have been tense. And so... We'll start with Charlotte briefly. This is as light as it comes. They're mm -hmm. sitting on the couch and Harry notices that Elizabeth Taylor's gained some weight and it's confirmed very quickly via a dog store? Yeah, a pet owner, a pet shop owner. No, this isn't Che and that woman. This isn't a veterinarian. Yeah, like that office we were introduced to in season two of and just like that. Right. The place you just get dog food. is. Mm hmm And can buy dogs from the window? Uh, yeah, like a pet shop. Is that where you're getting your dog? Like, oh, your dog's pregnant? I think Charlotte probably was like, this is the best I can do right now. Well, she just wants to get diet dog food. Right. But then he's like, your dog's pregnant. Mm -hmm. How does he know that? Can you imagine? I think he could feel her belly. But then shouldn't Charlotte have been able to? I think Charlotte doesn't know. I don't know. think the people who work at a store like that are trained to know dogs are pregnant. I feel like this man loves dogs. And he knows. Must love dogs. Yeah. Um, And that's all that was on his application. Mm-hmm. And then she's cleaning... And the dog is giving birth. How long do dogs gestate? I feel like at this point, she had been pregnant for like weeks. But I don't know how long. How long are dogs pregnant? 50 to, 58 to 68 days. Oh, so like, so it's been since the last episode when she was don't getting pumped. Don't act like you know how long it's been since then. No, but I'm saying... <laughs> so I'm saying that puts like about... Three almost three months. So it's been sixty-eight days. That's two months. It's been two months. Yeah, it's been so two, two and months a half since months. the last episode. Mm -hmm. Well, it's no two months in a week. Mm -hmm. Since the last, yeah. But if it's fifty-eight, it's less than two months. 
Like, right. You know, and she could be giving birth early. I don't know. Now, uh, the other question I had is, should, um, do dogs give birth that easily that you don't need a professional involved? Yeah. I don't think I would want to do that. I wouldn't either. Or look at like it. Like, if Ruby was pregnant, I would, first I would of all, her puppies would be so cute. Settle, but, I would schedule an appointment. No, a lot of people, their dogs just give birth at home, like in a crate. And do you have to oversee it? Yeah, you, like, watch. Make sure everything's good. Make sure the puppies come out. And, and I think would, sometimes you even have to, like... Snip the cord? Is the, is, I don't think they have cords. Is there not an umbilical cord? I don't think so. Hold on. <laughs> I don't think so. Because there's like... During the birthing process, puppies come out in a fluid-filled sack that is connected to their mother's placenta through an umbilical cord. Oh, so yeah, you do. Yeah. And do you have to cut Mm -hmm. open the fluid-filled sack? Yeah, I think. No. See, this is why a professional (laughs) needs to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. So then we meet these (laughs) cute little puppies. Yeah, we get cute pups and do we try to learn these puppies' names? I don't believe we do. We I know we see them. Mm. Charlotte York. Oh, a lot of questions about these puppies <laughs> because we know we meet Richard Burton eventually. So do we have to mm. like? Um, no, this is actually all about Richard Burton. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think this. we know the puppies' names. I hope they're named after like maybe her movie characters, Martha. Butterfield 8, uh, Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I don't really understand why we had this storyline in the episode. Honestly, I would have preferred two more Carrie scenes. Same. But I don't know why they made her get pregnant anyways. Like, it just seems kind I guess silly. just to give us that one last beat before that's our baby. Mm-hmm. Just to remind us in the most that abstract still... way that this <laughs> is still on her mind. This is so unjust like that. I'm surprised this didn't happen with, and it may, with Shu. Yeah. Shu will somehow be a metaphor for Carrie. Like, I can't wait these five years anymore. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall oh, we get into Miss Bradshaw? Yes. It's going to be a quick episode, guys, because we don't really have that much to talk about. But I feel like maybe Carrie will give us a lot. Mm-hmm. So she heads to lunch with Enid who we discover quickly wants her to bring a date. Mm -hmm. And Enid's really struggling being single. She can't order the Dorado. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't tell if Sarah Jessica Parker was playing it with pity or sort of like, we're on the same level now. I couldn't either. Or like, I'm above you. Like, I've got a guy. I think it was more of that, honestly. Like, I'm not that girl anymore. Like, I'm not a single girl. Like, you have to come to me for advice. Yeah. And, like, now, like, I have the power. And I think, too, what was I noticed, maybe I'm reading too much into it, I don't know. But there is such a level of insecurity she feels with Alexander and, like, his way of being and we see that at the dinner but when she talks to Enid and she's like well I don't really know if he's like the setting up kind of guy like she feels that anxiety I think to even ask that of him well he absolutely because I think he would be like what but then he does he doesn't seem like he is but then he's so open to it right so it was very strange 
I'm trying to think if there was another thing in the Enid scene. Um, not really there. I also like I like Enid. Is she like a character who, when she pops up, does something for you? She does nothing for me. Okay, <laughs> like she really doesn't do much for me. I because you think she was a fan favorite. She's popping up here in the movie. I think they just really love Candace. Candy, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah, love Candy like who doesn't love her? Candy Bergen's a fan favorite. Uh, exactly. I'm a fan of Candy Bergen. I'm not a fan of Enid, especially later in the episode, which we'll obviously get to. Yeah. But um, I also just have a hard time when people are so fixated on like I'm the single one. I'm the single one, and I'm just like, okay, like we heard you. Chill. Like we got it. So you mean the first five seasons of this show? Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So then Carrie yeah. and Alex are getting ready for the dinner. And as I mentioned, it is really strange how quickly he is, um, like, of course, I'll come. I thought it was interesting that she even accepts the party invitation on their behalf. So I know. quickly, clearly in the last two months, there's been a lot of stability between the two of them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then he's like, oh, yes, I, I have a friend. I think she lives with him, basically. <laughs> he's not going to that rat's, literal rat's nest. Literal. Um, and so there's seemingly a lot of stability between them, a very easy, cozy sort of, um, intimacy in the kitchen. It felt like big and her in the kitchen. During just like that. mm -hmm. And, and I mean, whenever you put Carrie in a kitchen and she feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. And so then out of the cold blue he says oh i'm going to paris in a week mm-hmm. and i'm not coming back but i want you to come with me what did yeah. you think about his proposition his ask the art of the ask as it were yeah it was you know it's crazy he did it like you know shortly before a dinner party and the kind of like said, oh, yeah, I'm going to Paris. And with a week's notice. for the, Right, for the opening. And I'm going to stay there for a while. And she's probably like, you know, like she acknowledges like she has a little bit of PTSD from people leaving her for Paris. And so, again, she's kind of walking on eggshells, not wanting to assert herself and how she really feels about it. Because I don't think she... She oftentimes lets them decide things for her like she oftentimes lets these men decide how she feels for herself and i feel like that's kind of maybe what miranda gets to like later on and i obviously see myself in that i just don't even think asking someone to move across the country with one week's notice is logical i know but then he does the thing where he's like oh well i think that's later oh yeah we do learn I think in the first, in the next episode, he leaves in a week and she joins him. Mm-mm. So she has a yeah. bit more time. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's like kind of a mind fuck. Like you're moving to another country. In like, a week. In, yeah, a week's time. That's, yeah, that's wild. I thought it was really interesting that she says, oh, yes, I'll come for the opening and maybe another weekend. I think that was a test. I think she was trying to test him and gauge like where... Do you see me fitting into your Paris life? Like it was just is, such a I, like, short be... amount of time. I'd be like, oh, I could come for a few weeks. Right. Not a weekend. She's like, I could come for a weekend. But that but that's who Carrie is. She she always underestimates how they feel about her. That's true. 
you and, know? And I do think maybe, to your point, there is a small amount of, um, what are you thinking here? Mm-hmm. I just thought it was crazy. It was <laughs> crazy. Like, to, can you imagine, like, right before your friends are about to come over and you're like, I might be moving to Paris? Like, what's going on? Well, then we get into the dinner scene. And we've got a tale of two television shows. (laughs) We're watching Sex in the City, where Samantha's talking about breaking and entering and her vibrator in a kitchen. And uh, this is the land of plenty. I don't know how things work in the other republics. Mm -hmm. And everyone else is like, oh, well, if it can be breaking as long as it's not entering. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Laughing. Yeah, they're all talking sex. And then it cuts over to Carrie and Alex. And he's looking mortified like you've let basic trash into my home. <laughs> he's not amused. And she is not laughing at them. She's she's, not... a, she's embarrassed. I think she feels like attention. Like I feel like, yes, she feels the tension. But I don't know that she's embarrassed of Samantha. I think she's embarrassed of the fact that not, this is not, clearly not working. Right. That for both parties, they're looking at like, well, he has no sense of humor. And he's looking at them like, why are they talking like this at a dinner table? Right. <clears throat> yeah. And then Steve's like, Billy I like Joel. that piano. <laughs> you play? And he's like, yeah. yes, wonderful piano. And then they Alex? list literally one million songs. It's like, Piano Man, um, Scenes at an Italian Dinner. It's... Yeah, they're like shook that he doesn't know who Billy Joel is, which is actually really crazy that he doesn't it's know. It's disgusting to not know who Billy Joel is. Like, you what know, do you mean? You know, I love Billy. Well, that's just a crazy thing. I once described Billy as the original Kanye. Billy is not like lowbrow. He's the greatest. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're like, you don't know, you know, Addison Ray. I thought you were about to say <laughs> you know sudden, I mean? sudden track. <laughs> So it was like weird and it just really highlights that when Carrie and him are alone together, they're only focused on each other. And that is a feeling she likes is like he's focused on her. But then when they're in a larger group, they really realize like, oh, we have like nothing in common. She can also acquiesce just to his needs. Right. Right. She doesn't have to manage who she is with her other people. And I've I've Mm -hmm. definitely dated men where they t- because I like men who I wouldn't say the opposite of me, but because I like men who um I like to learn, so I tend to not reach out to people with the same sphere mm-hmm. of knowledge or interest. Mm-hmm. But then with my friends, we tend to have obviously a lot of common interests and knowledge and history that Mm -hmm. another person and so sometimes when you're putting that together it is like oh that well i am a different person over there because i'm Mm -hmm. not like remembering college yeah yeah and i've i've definitely brought like men around my friends who i'm just like the anxiety i feel when they like would say a certain thing or like do a certain or not react how like it's stressful. It's really stressful to be in that situation because then you're like, fuck, like I can't be with this person. And then Paris is brought up. And for some reason, Harry says, I hate Paris. What's going on with the toilet paper over there? 
Harry hating Paris seems strange. Parisian? Like, I think it's because they don't flush it. Well, what, why is toilet paper pink? Is it just he doesn't like the color pink? I thought it was because in Paris they don't flush their toilet paper. I'm having a hard time on wanting... Yeah, I actually don't even want to understand what you mean. They don't flush. I understand what you're saying. I, I think it's because their plumbing systems can't handle it or something mm. is what I heard, like in Europe. Um, so I think that's maybe what's going on. He does not like it. He does not like it. Um, that's his first thought. I wonder where Harry and Charlotte went on their honeymoon. Probably like Paris. And then he was like, I hate it here. <laughs> I think that they went to like St. fromage. He was shitting his pants left and right again. <sighs> yeah. French, is, French doesn't work for Harry. And after their French excursion... Their French twist. He, yeah. He's out. Um, mm -hmm. And then I do like the sweet moment that you, they sort of play between Steve and Carrie where he says, hey, buddy, we're New you're talking to New Yorkers here. And it's mm -hmm. the one moment it cuts to Sarah Jessica Carey and she's smiling like ear to ear. Mm -hmm. And then she looks at him and he's not smiling at all. And then he says, you'll see and when you're there. Mm -hmm. And Miranda is right in the fucking bullpen oh already. Oh, my God. Oh, are you going for the opening? No. And then he announces, no, she's moving there with me. And we get cuts to says, everyone. I am taking her there. Like, in I my think clutches. it's... Yeah. Like, like Liam Neeson. I guess he's taking people back. The tension Miranda looks like. It cut to um, Marcus, like, his eyes bugged out. I'm like, you barely know her. Yeah, I'm like, Marcus, please. Like, couldn't we have cut you're lucky you're even at this dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you, I just, did you find him announcing it to be as outlandish? Yes. Do you think the show wants it to feel outlandish or do we just feel that way? I think the show wants you to feel like, oh, so he's in control. Like, he's the one making this decision. She's not sure how she feels about it. She didn't say, yes, I'm doing this. And it's just like abrupt. And I think that there's, I think it's supposed to show him as controlling and like owning her. So then they go upstairs to the bedroom. And I do have to say, I thought this was quite disrespectful that they're all sitting on his bed. I thought that that was so bizarre. But I guess it's her bed too. <laughs> like I feel like they live together. But they don't, as we'll see. Right. As we'll see in when they're sitting by the fire, she says, "Well, should I get my own place in Paris?" Because they've kept separate residences in mm -hmm. New York. But I think that was just a way for Carrie to get him to say, "No, I want you to live with me." Wow. Because she didn't want to assume and then get shot down. I'm so carry coded. It's crazy. <laughs> I can like totally feel see everything. where she's that... coming from. Oh, yeah. I'm like, been there, girl. And, you know, I wasn't dating an artist who was moving to Paris. But and I thought it was interesting. You know, Stanny didn't originally go up with the girls and Marcus didn't either. What is Marcus talking to Harry about? You know what I mean? Like, what's going on? Hmm. I would bet Marcus is talking to Steve. Mm, Burrow boys. <laughs> yeah. And just chatting. Billy Joel, probably. Probably. And Stanford is talking. Oh, they're both talking to Smith. 
Oh, of course they are. There for some reason. And who's like younger and probably yeah. has LGBTQ Pop friends. culture vibes. Yeah. And they met him before. They had, right. remember, they were photographed. Um, God, he's forgettable. He really is. He's that wig Samantha is wearing is disgusting. Those dry slap on wigs. Those, it's like black bob chopped. She, it's one, it's the, sick. She wears one later that's really upsetting. Yeah. But they're all oh, yeah. sitting on the bed and listening to Carrie. And for the most part, they try to keep it light, with the exception of Miranda, whose eyes are bugging out of her head. <sighs> Cynthia Nixon's a great actress because you can just, it's so real how she's, she's acting. She's tracking it all in the background. Mm-hmm. And then at brunch, the girls dig in a bit more. They want to know about money. Like, what is she going to do for work? The, or no, I shouldn't say what she was going to do for work. Monetarily, like, so he's just going to pay for everything? Her professional life, like the column. And mm-hmm. then I thought Charlotte asked a really good question. Are you guys going to get married? Like, why is it marriage discussed here at all? I know they've talked about not having children. Mm-hmm. But we know that does Carrie want to be a wife? I don't know. Her, her <laughs> whole relationship to marriage seems completely ambiguous. Then we mm-hmm. open the second mo- first movie and it's like, bam, that's the plot. Yeah. And I guess I, we I don't she think she want, has feelings. But I guess she about didn't it. want to marry Aiden. Mm. Because who would? And I think with Big, she wanted Big to marry her. I don't think she had very strong feelings about marriage in general, but I think just the the having a man like want you makes you want them more. But then why do you think she's willing to move across the world but wouldn't because entertain the idea of marriage? Because I that think doesn't she's nullify like, any of the um things she wanted in Catch 38 which is adventure and time and Yeah. Great I think sex. she's looking at her friends and they all have their lives like charlotte has harry and they're working on maybe having a family samantha and smith have their dynamic going on and they're busy with work and then you have miranda and steven baby brady who was a different actor this episode yes yeah that was shocking and then so i think she just feels like well what am i doing but like then why she doesn't I... see marriage though as a trap like right. steve and miranda are happier Mm-hmm. Charlotte's never been happier. It's just interesting that when marriage is mentioned, she's just like, that's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. And it just feels like, well... I think it's only as we not what it's in, about because he hasn't brought it up. And I suppose perhaps as we head into the end of this show, there's something sort of slightly liberating about the idea that our leading woman could end up in a long-term relationship but doesn't necessarily have to be a bride. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's great. It just feels like then we rewrote that right quick right. for the movie. Yeah. Um, and then we go over to the bookshop, and that's when we saw that wig. Did you like this wig? <laughs> this was like she took the wig from dinner and just cut it into an even more blunt, harsh angle. Mm-hmm. It was tough. It looked It looked sharp. It looked itchy. It looked angry. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> it looked angry. Like, yeah. Mm. I was like, ugh. <laughs> but she's incredibly really supportive, Samantha, mm-hmm. and reminds her that you do have a role in all of this. Mm-hmm. You get My to therapist said that. Role ba- boundaries, apologies, everyone. You get to create boundaries in this relationship. Well, how is it going to work f- for you? 
mm-hmm. and it's almost like she hasn't even thought of it. That's the thing I and I had a therapist tell me that once that like a lot of life is about decisions and you have to remind yourself like you have a choice in things like you don't like you can make this decision for yourself you know and i like that samantha reminded her of that because i think samantha does a good job at asking the questions but she's supportive and giving space to let carrie answer yes miranda's like putting her in a corner like i'm gonna ask you so many questions that now you're in a corner and now you're gonna stay here because you know i I made you feel that way. <laughs> but I really did appreciate the, um, and I feel like this is a rare scene mm-hmm. where Carrie wants to talk about one of the other friends with the other. And I think, yeah. I think Miranda, Samantha does a good job of defending Miranda's point, point of view of saying like, well, she does not really know him. You have to mm-hmm. understand this about how we feel as a faction. Mm-hmm. And then... You can just tell Carrie is like fixated on Miranda's reactions that she yeah. clocked, clocked them and will not let it go. No, she's like obsessive because she also probably has those questions, too, but she doesn't want to answer them because she's she just wants to live in this world where she goes to Paris. No, she wants to throw on that those headphones. And bop mm-hmm. down New York City, listening to... Wear that beret. Gigi, I was on V is that weird commercial they used to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I guess, the, oh, they're getting ready for Enid's party. Mm-hmm. And Carrie is like, I have to put my earrings on. And he's like, no, like, are you going to Paris? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm done with this place. I've been here three years. It's time for Paris. Mm-hmm. What did you think of his ultimatum? I thought... Is it fair of him to say that? No. I, I mean... And the for thing him to him, so sort of downrightly say, I won't do long distance either. Yeah, he's like, it's this or it's nothing. Like, you're either coming with me and my light installations or you're staying in New York City. And I think that that is incredibly unfair but i also think he's being honest you know where he's just like that's not something i want to do and it's almost like he's making such a hard line decision and then when you compare it to her who's just like this big gray area like i think that it makes it even more like severe yeah what he's doing and then we go over to the party and we meet martin grable what'd you think of old (laughs) marty of course, you know, he's a beloved character actor. What's his name? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know his name either. Clueless actors. Of course, we're going through all the teenagers first. Wallace Shawn. Yeah. He, um, you know, I thought it was nice that they brought him. He is a food critic. But I thought, you know, Enid is probably like, I'm above this. I'm better than this. It's giving uh, I, the turtle. I thought the Hobbit reference probably was very topical. Oh, the, yeah. Like maybe those movies were fresh out. I think so. I did also wonder, like, would Alex be friends with this guy? I think he would. Really? They don't. He just seems so nice I, and outgoing, and like. But I think he's like intellectual. Yeah, than in Europe. But I think he's intellectual, 
and is like a writer and like a food critic and he's part of that art scene and i feel like maybe he's the only single person alex knows maybe and then we meet lexi featherston oh my god an icon a legend the moment and i thought one of the funniest things about this is carrie is dressed far closer to lexi then she is the all-black aesthetic of the full party. Mm-hmm. Would you would you think, Alexi? Where does she stand in your sort of pan- pantheon of Sex and the City characters? I think she's pretty up there for me as someone super memorable. I like this. I like what she represents. Like this, like party girl, it girl. It's giving. It's giving tinsley but like more more chaotic depressing, more chaotic um she represents like this old world that carrie was a part of and carrie's like moving into this different space just due to like her age and um the fact that carrie was like i just came in here for like a breather and she like walks into this lady's doing lines of coke like that is jarring um but for carrie to say i didn't know people did coke anymore i was like sweetie i i think they do. coke went um there was a moment where it wasn't went went away and then it came back got it i really liked the interaction between carrie and enid when carrie was like hold on one second before we get to that yeah i I did just want to note that of course um lexi is played by kristen johnson Mm -hmm. and think she does a great job i do wish they had brought back laney from season one the baby shower remember her (gasps) Laney, <laughs> crazy Laney, yes. Who came to the party and wanted to take her top off. I'm just like yeah. world building. Mm-hmm. Where is they where is bring that people woman? in and leave them, drop them? Yeah, I was like, oh my god, mm-hmm. Laney would have been such a fun like call callback to right, or even even if it was Tatum O'Neill from earlier this season. Like, I got to get away from these fucking kids. <laughs> I would have loved that actually. I would have rather had Tatum come back. Yeah, because only I would have been like, Laney, there you go, girl. Yeah. <laughs> it would have it would have needed like five minutes of voiceover to explain Laney and a flashback. <laughs> yeah. But no, I uh, go ahead and chat about that scene between Enid and Carrie because I wanted to so say something So Enid also. sees Enid. Uh, Carrie sees Carrie Enid. Sees Enid, Enid sees talking. Enid. Yeah, Enid mirror. sees Enid. <laughs> Carrie sees Enid talking to Alexander while she's talking to who Enid's date is supposed to be. And she's like... Uh, that woman's definitely flirting with my man. She goes over and it's a really tense kind of like weird moment between Enid and Carrie because she was like, because Enid's like raving about Alexander. Like, oh my God, he's amazing. He's incredible. Like basically like, why is he not with me? And Carrie's like, what are you doing right now? Because he's Why is this happening? Yeah, like- He's not with you because he's with me. And then Enid goes on this like long thing about how he's supposed to be with her. Like Carrie's stealing the older men. I thought that this scene deserves some sort of place on and just like that about the real world difficulties of dating as an older person. I feel like in an effort to glamorize and keep the sort of fun of the show it it is um imagined or i shouldn't say it has imagined because all of these women are beautiful and can get men it hasn't accepted the difficulties of what that must be like mm-hmm. and just like that we're we're getting almost hit by a bike and going out with men Aiden's just yeah. showing up back at doors 
Like meeting there's a plethora. Bars. But what Enid is saying here is just like, I thought it was so moving when she said, get out of my waiting pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I think Enid probably still looks at Carrie like some sex columnist writer. Like, she's like, why wouldn't he be with me? Yeah. You know? It's like, well. Then we get. Oh, sorry. Before we do that, we should chat about Miranda and Steve. Oh, this scene. Yeah. So Miranda and Steve are in their bedroom. She's like <laughs> large scale light installations. What the fuck? And you could tell Steve is like, wow, it's been a few nights. Yeah. Like we're still talking we're still about doing this. this. Mm-hmm. And she, she admits, yes, he's pretentious. And she says, you know what? It's not just her. It's not just him. It's she, she is changing. Mm-hmm. She's not herself. She didn't laugh once. Mm-mm. And, you know, Steve takes his shirt off and he's looking good. <laughs> yeah. And he always spoons her. That's like their thing. And they always are spooning. This is when I cried. I thought it was so lo- lovely the way she says she can't leave. She has too much here. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, like, all of that is like, aren't I enough to keep mm-hmm. her here? Yeah. And I just thought, I, Cynthia I thought Nixon, it was... what a goddess. And I thought it was really sweet, you know, Steve reassured her in the moment, like, it will be okay. If, if she, she does leaves. leave, you can go visit. And to that, I'm like, Steve, I have a job and a baby. But AKA, Steve, you're not enough for me. Like, she, that's Miranda being like, I need more than just you. Yeah. I like need a, my friends. Carrie's our third rail, buddy. She's out yeah. of here. <laughs> I'm going to be straight up. Gonna looking, go down. I'm going to be straight up looking for a Chadiaz. We took yeah. Samantha out the group and I thought I was going wild. Mm hmm. So I just wanted to make sure we ch- touched on that scene because for sure. I know I had mentioned earlier. I also related to that. Like, I vented about a friend's like boyfriend or ex or whoever. And I'm like, oh my God. Like for days, you know me, I'm circling the drain. Yeah. And I'm like, I hate this guy. <laughs> um, feel like we're circling the drain on some people still. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then of course we have Lexi's monologue. Why doesn't mm-hmm. it, why this used to be an exciting city? Nobody's fun anymore. How did she fall over her shoes? <laughs> uh, the curtain. The cocaine? The curtain got like stuck. The curtain got like stuck, I think, on her heel. And she like it fell back. It really is scary. And I do remember the first time I saw it. And thinking, oh my God, they just killed someone. Like that is crazy that we just watched it's... someone die on Sex in the City. Died out of a window. Flat. That's like on, it, did you ever the watch title of the Men? episode is splat. Uh not really. There was just an episode where a man is where you Mad Men was like a show where literally nothing ever happened. The pi- the promos would be like Dawn's hand, shoe, foot, whiskey. <laughs> Next week. Yeah. And one episode, a woman, a drunk woman, just gets on a lawnmower in the office and runs over a man's toe. And it just, like, disrupts, like, whoa, this is a show where nothing happens. Yeah. And it's, like, something really big is happening. And it's crazy that it happens kind of in the middle-ish of the episode, I feel like. Like, there's still no, a lot We've only left. got, uh, like, eight minutes left. Oh, God. Well, in a 28-minute episode. Yeah. Um, but it's crazy that it's called Splat because she literally I'm glad we fell didn't out of a window. It. Oh, my God. But it was horrifying. 
horrifying. And I felt bad for the food critic who looked. Well, he couldn't see her from that far up. The only thing... How far up do you think they are? At least, for Enid and that giant apartment, it's definitely a penthouse. So I'd say they're at least 12 stories up. Wow. I'm like so used to Carrie's like one story (laughs) up apartment. walk up. Yeah. Um, no, they're at least, at least probably 12 to 15 stories up. Oh, yeah, so... I mean, he looked her. down, but he wasn't like, oh, there she is. Yeah. He, it was more wow. like, well, she's not holding on. Oh, my God. What a buzzkill. Um, yeah, I don't know how that party wrapped up. Yeah. I'm sure there was, like, a murder investigation. Like, they were probably, did, was she pushed? I, you, you gotta ask. Yeah. Um... So then we, Carrie has decided to go to Paris during the snowstorm montage. One thing, again, that I found upsetting is we check in with Charlotte and Harry, who are showing two of the new puppies, not the third one, Snow. <laughs> Harry was like, I'm not picking up this fucking puppy. She can hold two. Mm-hmm. And then we see Brady, new Brady. New Brady making snow angels. Dave and Miranda making snow angels. No check-in on Samantha. No. <laughs> we couldn't said. see her scooting around having sex on her wheel on bed. No, I know. That was really disappointing because they did this in the first movie, too, for New Year's. Like when they you see did her the on montage of them. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, I'm okay. saying like they did this kind of montage, but they showed remember. her. I was like, oh, wait, isn't she supposed to be in like sparkly robes or something? Right. No. They, so like, I was just like, her. Jesus Christ, they can't even get B-roll of this woman? No. And right before they go into the funeral, she tells them she's leaving to go to Paris. But even more so, she says the most horrifying line to me in the history of this show that continues to bug me as the final second. That since I originally watched it at... Now, let's see. When do you think this aired? 2004? I think we were probably in a Bush presidency, right? Yeah. Do, 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 probably do, 13? 2004. I was 16 years old when this aired. Okay. When I heard her say, ladies, after a certain point in this town, if you're still single, there's nowhere to go but down. I remember thinking, what a betrayal of the entirety of this show. Mm-hmm. That that is the show's final statement on being single. Mm-hmm. And it is not made up for in the finale in which all no. four of them have traditional romantic relationships. Of course, you get the, the, the beautiful and somewhat trite idea of like the most important relationship is the one for yourself. But for that to be the last statement about being single. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yikes. It has always really bothered me that that is, that the show feels the need to do that. Yeah. And of course you can say that Carrie is using it as an example of, um, to get herself to go to Paris, right? It's out of Mm -hmm. desperation. It's the feeling that while there are other people he would be interested in, like Enid, Mm -hmm. and B, if I don't leave, I could be Lexi. Yeah. Which doesn't even feel true. No, because it's like you're nothing like her. Yeah, it'd be one thing if she popped into the bathroom and was like, yeah, I'll do some coke, girl. Yeah. <laughs> or like we saw her like get drunk a lot or something. Yeah. Like she doesn't do that. 
Um, so of course then the funeral's over and Miranda wants to get some food and we make it about a, a half block away. Yeah, we make it like 30 feet. Um, and Miranda's like asking the questions and like, you can just feel Carrie. She's like, enough, enough with the questions. Like I support all of you guys and you're not supporting me. Like you just don't like him. And Miranda's like, yeah, I fucking hate him. I do. And she says, what are you going to do? Go and eat croissant? Which is <sighs> so damning. Yeah. I was like, ew. And then Carrie says, I'm going home. And we get that great, you're living in a fantasy. And I mean, there's really, this is such an iconic scene that there really isn't much to say about it. It's it's also so... um Speaks for itself. Textual, like, like it's not subtext. Mm-hmm. But the both of them are so great in it. You can tell why it meant it means so much to them, and why I rewatching it though. I almost wish when they evoked it and then just like the finale of and just like that season one, mm-hmm. it was a little stronger because this is amazing. Yeah, this was really powerful. Like these these moments and this tension and this, it felt really real. Like it really did. And then we get that ending on that horse, that Dr. Zhivago. I, I, I don't know that that's my personal idea of like happiness. It's just a <laughs> no? man riding me through the park in a horse. It's supposed to be like, see, this is the fairy tale. And I've never she's, known Carrie even want to be near a horse. The only time she was... Was well, she was scared of Charlotte's horse. Yes. And then her and Big went on that carriage for like a second. Oh yeah, to go to but get to Miranda's mm-hmm. uh, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is this show? <laughs> she got on the carriage to go. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Come on, Bobo. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's supposed to symbolize like this is her happy ending, possibly. It didn't feel like it to me. Being in a horse and carriage. It certainly is a nice cut from the you're living in a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Because she is. That is a fantasy. What did you think of the fashion in this one? I think Carrie... I mean, I just am always really struck by how beautiful I think Carrie's hair is. I know that that's not like the fashion, but I think we're in like a... For me, a really memorable Carrie fashion era. I thought she looked wackadoodle as hell at that party and whatever that dress was you do yeah and i thought miranda's hat that funeral with that green (gasps) with the green saint patrick's day clover or whatever the fuck it was it was crazy but i thought sarah jessica parker's coat was amazing it had um you know who would wear that hat leopard on it in a fun way on the steve's mom oh mary that might be a mary original it might be very original. She uh, probably wears it on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, and I thought Charlotte looked adorable throughout the whole episode. And I think yeah. whatever they're doing to Kim Cattrall is just... Well, not can, enough can't be said. No. A million words would be not enough. One is too many. It's just not yeah. to be spoken of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then in terms of men, we had Steve, Harry, Alex Smith, Stanford, Marcus, and... No, we didn't have Anthony. Mm-mm, no Anthony. Um, um, I would take Steve. Steve. 
season 16 this is, guys you say this you say this every episode this is the steve people remember yeah and then what would you give this out of 10 honestly i really i liked our conversation about it and i really liked the episode um i would give it like an eight and a half. Oh, this is a 10 out of 10 for me wow this is a perfect episode structurally i think it's interesting as an entree into the finale to also center us so much on Carrie to mm -hmm. give us this fear of like almost are we even going to see the girls next week? Nah. Uh, don't know. Um, I just think this is no, I we're mean, not going to see Sam. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, actually, we see a fair amount of her. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like Charlotte actually is very rare, barely in the finale. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, we can also, I think, say goodbye to Stanford. His final bit is that line about Marcus is saving a seat next to Hugh Jackman. Oh. That's it. See you in the first movie. Now. Um, but no, I think this is a great episode. I think the writing is fantastic. I mm -hmm. love um I love any episode where we're in sort of Carrie's subjective mind and it's Yeah. How is she feeling about something? And you're watching Sarah Jessica Parker have to figure something out. And it's mm -hmm. not so explicitly told via mm -hmm. voiceover. Yeah. You forget that, like, oh, she can do that. And yet, and then just like that, so much of it feels muddled. And we mm -hmm. don't understand any of her motivation. But in this episode, <laughs> I sort of get all of it. All of it. Mm -hmm. um, you're so right. So, no, this is a 10 out of 10 for me. A perfect episode of this show. Perfect. I agree. So, would you like to give it a 10 out of 10? Yeah. Yeah, you've convinced. Um, all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week when we discuss Season 6, Episode 19, An American Girl in Paris, Part 1. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Shortcomings wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can support us by joining us at patreon.com slash shortcomingspodcast. You can also follow us online. I'm at clewis1219 on Instagram. Sam, where are you? I'm at Bravo Historian on Instagram, and I'm at Take Years Left on X. Oh, X. Elon. <laughs> All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.